Night Talk, giving you depth and texture to the conversations that matter. You're listening to Night Talk. My name is Oliver Dixon. Thank you so much for being with me. Really do appreciate it. My conversation with uh, Dudu Shiva, who's the Director for Mental Health at the National Department of Health, as well as clinical psychologist Piwe Lufele. And we're talking mental health accessibility in the public sector. Piwe, I want to talk about this a little bit. We spoke about the constraints in the public sector. There seems to be constraints even in the private sector. I had to wait at least six months, about six months, and had the luck of a cancellation before I could see a psychiatrist in the public, in the private sector, for which I paid out of pocket for. Um, and yeah. many, many other people complain about exactly the same thing. So it's not as though money completely insulates you away from accessibility problems. Why is that the case? Are psychiatrists not applying themselves enough? Do they only work four hours a day and call it quits and go hang out with their friends? Uh, or is there a shortage, a severe shortage of psychiatric services and psychological services? Mm. Look, I think the quick answer is absolutely not. People are not working four hours a day. I think actually in private practice, you work a lot more. Um, I, I guess it's just kind of not with as many patients, but you kind of do work longer hours. In private practice, people actually do a lot more. So um, most people will have kind of a hospital that they consult in. They will also have their own private practice that they consult in. Um, I think that what can be hard to hold in mind is how difficult it is to qualify as a psychiatrist and how difficult it is to qualify as a psychologist. You know, psychologists need at least a master's degree to um to to work in the field as maybe a clinical psychologist as an as a a, a counseling psychologist yeah um, and also the government really doesn't um, provide enough resources for us to be able to train but also the training is so intense that it's also really hard to train a large group of psychologists you know it's it's, it's a very personalized kind of you you use yourself as a psychologist as well um, and so it's, it's incredibly difficult to qualify I think the stats right now is probably around like two psychologists per 100,000 people or something ridiculous like that. You know, I'm, I'm not really sure what the stats are right now. But yeah. when I trained, I was around that. Um, and so I, there just is a scarcity of psychiatrists and psychologists. And, and really, it, it I, I think that it um, points us to how big of a mental health care problem we do have in this country and, and even worldwide, um, but also just how hard it is for people to have access to being able to train as psychiatrists and psychologists as well. Yeah, um, Are there certain things that we get from psychologists and psychiatrists that we could otherwise get from other healthcare professionals? So, for instance, uh, last night a caller and I spoke about just how disruptive going undiagnosed with ADHD has been in his life for so long that it only turned around in his late adult life, late into his 30s or 40s, when he got diagnosed, that he was able to realize what was wrong and be empowered to know what was wrong and to fix it. Um, and, and and so many people go undiagnosed with so many things much for a very long time. Could the skill yeah. of diagnosis not perhaps be distributed to, say, social workers or, um, or, or, or counselors or... Uh, teachers in a classroom when it comes to identifying ADHD or other learning disabilities in a child? Does it have to yeah. remain the professional licensed skill set 
of a psychologist? It, it absolutely has to, unfortunately. Um, and sometimes it is it, it, it absolutely only is a psychiatrist that can make the diagnosis. Sometimes it's only a neuropsychologist who can make the the diagnosis or or, or um, you know a, a neuropsychiatrist. However, I will say that it is important to equip uh, mental health care workers, primary health care workers, with just basic kind of screening tools for us to be able to direct people in um, in, in the right direction for them to be able to access that service, um, which which kind of doesn't happen enough. Mm. Um, so so basic screening tools, you know, when we can kind of kind of really generally talk about what because a, a lot of mental health care issues overlap, and so it can be very difficult to really get to the nitty gritties of ironing out or teasing out mm-hmm. which. Sim- what many people also have multiple like dual or multiple diagnoses as well you know um, sometimes you work with somebody who has you know kind of a medical epilepsy but also has a functional neurological disorder which is a a, a non-epileptic seizure you know mm. and they have and so those things are very difficult to kind of tease out and those really need, you know, the skill set of a psychologist and of a psychiatrist. But I do think that we do need to do a lot more work in terms of basic screenings for us to be able to direct people in those directions. Dudu, how much training is being done in our hospitals to equip nurses, for instance, with some of the basic screening tools at an early stage? Passing on for an example, as I mentioned earlier, we are training uh, uh, and uh, 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 implementing the, the, the adult primary care and then also screening. But also, maybe I must mention that we, we went on a drive um, from 2019, well, in 2020, we were halted by the COVID, and then we continued in 21 and 2022, um, whereby we were training um, professional nurses and medical doctors in the whole country. Uh, we trained uh, more than 2,000. Um, uh, not that we are training them, but we are in servicing them. Remember, um, the training is, is, uh, is encompassed. Uh, our, our medical doctors, when they train, part of the modules that they do is training in mental health. Of course, mm. not as psychiatrists, but to be able to, to manage um, uh, 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 conditions even at primary health care or even in general hospitals um, as a result. So we trained a number of them so that we are able to, to pick these things up and we are able to manage and try and prevent the influx to specialized and tertiary where, so that that space is reserved for people mm. who really need a, a, a specialist. So if our, our cadres in primary health care and even in district or regional hospitals, are able to pick up and intervene at that level. Because, for an example, at primary health care, our uh, uh, um, uh, uh, medicines under uh, 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 guidelines, we, they include uh, psychotropic medication or mm. medication to treat. Uh, right at primary health care, you will have your antidepressants, your angiolytic, and other medications mm. at primary health care. That can be prescribed by a medical officer and be issued out and a person getting treated there. Mm. Only then when the person is having a sort of like 
a, a, a resistant kind of yeah. a condition that is not responding, then they will need to be referred further. Yeah. I want to say, I want to say maybe before to say we do not have enough psychiatrists internationally. Therefore, it's important okay. that we use yeah. them for as, as a support to medical officers and nurses and everybody, yeah. rather than to use them specifically. Yeah, we're going to have to leave it there, unfortunately, uh, Dudu. We really, really do appreciate it. Piwe Lufele, really appreciate your time this evening as well. Fascinating conversation. I'm taking your reactions to that on the other side of the news. It's two minutes after 11 p.m. Let's take your final news bulletin.